land is mine God gave this land to me This brave and ancient land to me I see a land where children can run free So take my hand and walk this land with me and walk this lovely Good afternoon, and welcome to Hypernormal, the finale. The sun is setting and shadows are bleeding into all corners of our radio booth here at 91.7 FM WSUM Madison. Bennett and I are dressed for the occasion. Suits pressed, hair freshly dyed. The occasion, of course, is our goodbye to Hypernormal. Unfortunately, the opportunity to say a final goodbye does not always present itself as such. Instead, it disguises itself as a plan to meet again that never comes to fruition, or maybe the standard see you later. We consider ourselves lucky to have this opportunity to say goodbye with intention. Of course, some stories will be left untold, and we regret that, but such is life. Time is limited. Each day, dusk announces itself as a striking moment. The birds begin to settle. The pace slows. A flurry of color, which lay dormant throughout the day, now paints the sky. And so Hypernormal says goodbye this evening with one last set of stories, some of them our own, some from the people we have interviewed over the past month, and we will do so as the painted sky gives way tonight. And so, three minutes into our final program, we begin with an introduction. Um, I'm Kate, uh, Kate Abbott. Um, what else about myself? <laughs> Anything, is there something cool about you or something like terrible about you, either or? Terrible about me. I've never thought of that before. I mean, I'm sure there is, but I guess like my typical first day of school introduction is like, hi, I'm Kate, I'm a senior, double majoring in meteorology and economics. And my fun fact about myself is my birthday is 11.11 at 11.11 p.m. That's a pretty fun fact. Yeah, so people usually are like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. And then life goes on. Yep, and then the next person goes and no one cares anymore. Dude, does everybody call you Bean? Yeah. Like in class, people call you Bean? Not in class. My friends from high school and all my... People who are friends with me call me Bean. That's good. Good to know. Well, I call you Bean, so does that mean we're friends? We're getting there. This past Monday or Tuesday, the couple days after Mifflin, um, I was sitting in my chemistry discussion and my TA comes up to me 
and he goes so why were there so many people out on the streets this weekend and you know he like he genuinely didn't know what mifflin was so like me and my classmates explained to him or like oh it was mifflin and he says what's that he said it's just this huge block party that goes on every weekend the week before finals people just kind of rage and he's like oh my gosh like i was trying to get to the grocery store and i couldn't and it was there's just so many people and i was walking past this liquor store and i see this girl coming out and she's got her hands full she's got a case of beer in one hand a bottle in the other hand she's trying to ride a bicycle she's going against the grain of traffic and there's just so many people she can't do it she ends up giving up on her bicycle and and i look at him and i go was that person me and he says Yes, it was. <laughs> that hurt my pride a little bit. Did you just like ditch your bike? What happened? I like. Do you remember? I like awkwardly tried because my hands are full. I like awkwardly tried to hop off, and my bike just kind of like fell against me, and I was like dragging it behind me, just against all these people. I don't know. I just. <laughs> I had a lot going on. Do you ever think about why you regret the things you do? Uh, no, not really. Why? I mean, I don't think anyone does. We just know that we regret something, and we keep going, regretting it, without ever analyzing. My name is Bree Wolf. I am Matt Wolf, your gracious host, older sister. Um, <laughs> my father was married once before, so there's about a 20-year age difference between us. Today I'm going to tell the story of how Matt gave my four-year-old daughter a concussion. Uh, I lived in Florida for 10 years. My daughter was born in Florida. And so once a year we come back and visit family, usually around Christmas time. And part of coming home is my dad would grace me with one night of going out with my friends, my old friends from back in the day. So on this particular evening, my dad was going to watch my daughter, or so I thought. And um, I went out with my friends. Emily had asked permission to take my daughter to a bounce house, which I was a little nervous about because kids have a tendency to plank their heads really bad there. But she assured me there'd be no problems. And about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, I get a call from my dad saying that there's been a little bit of an accident. He played it off like she might have a black eye, and I was like, wait, what? But he said it was fine, everything was fine. He just wanted to let me know that there had been an accident, Matt had accidentally dropped Scarlett, and uh, she had some injuries because of it. So I continued to go out with my friends that night, spent the night at a friend's house, and when I came back in the morning, I was greeted by my daughter, and she could not see out of her right eye. Her whole face was swollen on the right side, black and blue. And my understanding of how the story went down is basically they were wrestling and he decided to do some sort of carry suplex move and he flipped her over his shoulder and he missed the grab and she fell down face first into the uh, stone flooring. So um, it turned out that she kept vomiting throughout the evening and so we had to take her to the hospital to see if she had any other problems. We couldn't tell if she had like an orbital break by her eye because her face was so puffy. And after several uh, x-rays and an MRI, it turned out she had a concussion and thankfully that's all the problem was. And to this day, I never let Matt live it down. Rightfully so. 
No, I remember your mom distinctly trying to calm me down because she's like, your reaction is going, because I just, I was like, my dad, for those of you that know my father, he has a tendency to kind of smooth over things and make everything okay. So he was very reassuring on the phone. You know, I remember being at dinner and saying, well, should I come home? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. She'll be okay. She just might have a black eye. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, you'll see tomorrow. So when I walked in, I, you know, I did not expect to see what I saw. Uh, And I think I, you know, I didn't scream or anything, but I just started crying, you know, because obviously this is my only daughter, my only child. And uh, you don't want to see someone you love and, you know, spend like every moment making sure she doesn't hurt herself, right, in a situation like that. Well, you know what? I love you, (laughs) Matt. It's all good. And someday you just might have kids of your own and Auntie Bree will be a great babysitter, I promise. Sounds good. Love you too, Bree. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Bye, Scarlett. Love you. Love you too. And I'm glad I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs>
WSUM is supported by Colectivo Coffee, with locations on State Street, Monroe Street, and the Capitol Square. Learn more at colectivocoffee.com. Hey, Billy, want to go to the State Fair? Yeah! Well, you can't. Well, you see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it. But now your parents are becoming energy efficient. They could save hundreds of dollars a year and take you to the fair next year. I want to go now. I know you do. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Matt, do you know how I got this scar on my eye? I don't, Benny. You've actually never told me. Scars are the way your body never lets you forget a mistake. And in preschool, I really had to go to the bathroom one time. The doors to the preschool bathrooms don't lock. So I went in, and there was someone already in there. So I turned around, but I didn't leave the bathroom. I stepped on a stool and went to the bathroom in the garbage can instead. When I was stepping down, I slipped and hit my head on the metal lip of the can. And then both of us walked out of the bathroom as if nothing had happened, except that I was covered in urine and blood. (laughs) Okay, so one time when I was like six years old, actually, no, I should preface it like this. There's a gigantic tree in my backyard. Like, it's so big, it's way bigger than any other tree in my neighborhood. And I used to climb it all the time. And I used to get stuck in it all the time. And I I always had to get uh, brought back down by my dad. And he would say the same thing every time, Madeline Marine, you don't go up on that tree anymore, you hear? Like it was in like the 30s, whatever. (laughs) That rhymes too, which is the best part about it. Right, right, I didn't even think about that. I don't know, probably like the 10th time I did this, I got all the way up there and my dad was like, did you just climb that tree again? And of course, like I'm in the air like 40 feet and I'm like screaming and crying. And he was like, what did I tell you? I'm just picturing him looking pretty much straight up and you hearing a very quiet version of him yelling (laughs) at you. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely quiet and muffled by all of the pine needles that were still on the tree at the time. Because this is like middle of summer. It's really hot out. Pine needles never fall off the tree. Oh, that's true. Well, regardless, it was... (laughs) I'm not a park ranger. Please come get me, Dad. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the lumber yard. So you just have a seat up there. And he was serious. He got in his car and he drove away. And he didn't come back for three and a half hours. How long after he left was it before you realized he's serious? Probably like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh God, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And like, granted, like my frontal cortex is not as well formed as it is today. So there wasn't like a ton running through my brain at the time. But like six-year-old me was like, oh no, I'm going to (laughs) die. My dad's going to leave me up here. I'm going to starve. 
<laughs> Did they leave you alone in trees a lot, or is this a one-time thing? This was, I think this was like a one-time thing lesson, you know? Like, all right, now you're going to sit up there for four hours and twiddle your thumbs. Or until maybe there was like some overarching life lesson, like figure out your own path, a.k.a. how to get down. To preface, I had recently broken up with my girlfriend of two years, so I was in a terrible place. Bennett and I mentioned a plan earlier in the year to lure somebody into the studio using Tinder. Uh, We called it a Tinderella story. We failed miserably. Uh, Got a few nibbles, but nothing substantial. Uh, But this story, it shows us that we may have been lucky for never getting any bites. This is Spencer. And... I matched with this girl on Tinder and she was in town at one of the hotels and there was an event going on and so she invited me there and I guess I'm not too averse to like hanging out with women in hotels because I'm socialized to be afraid of men, not women. And we ended up going up to like her suite into like the, the living room part of it and ordering pizza and I just remember I was telling a story just kind of talking and going off and I look over and she has her hood up her head is in her hand and she's snoring (laughs) and I at first I'm like this is a joke she's kidding she's playing a joke on me it's funny and I like tap her and nothing she's still snoring like still and I tap her and I have no idea what to do also the pizza wasn't there yet and I was I didn't know what to do. You were hungry. I was hungry. So <laughs> I ended up leaving. I like get my shoes on. I try and leave quietly. I go down the steps and I live near the hotel. So I just went home. And of course, my roommates are home and they're like, how was your date? So I tell them all about it. And an hour after I left, I get a text that says, you left? Question mark. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you, you fell asleep. I didn't know if you wanted to go to bed. And So she explains that she works for Epic and had been in New York the day before and was in California two days before that and was like super jet lagged. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I get it. And she goes, yeah, but the pizza's here if you want to come over. As I mentioned, I was in a terrible place, so I went back for pizza. (laughs) Probably a month after the aforementioned date, I matched with a girl on Tinder. We have mutual friends. We're both into hockey, we're both into the same stuff, so I'm thinking, okay, she's normal. Like, we have mutual friends, she's not crazy. So, she asked me again if I wanna come over and hang out, so I go over to her place, and when I get there, there is a, like, trailer outside of the house. There's, like, stuff in it, but I'm like, that's kinda weird, like, why would you just leave that on your lawn? And I get there, and we're talking, and then a truck pulls up, and she was like, yeah, I just moved in today. Do you want to help? (laughs) 
Matt was born on Halloween. October 31st. 1996. Um, it was our first pregnancy together. We were really excited. Um, it was it was just going to be a joyous moment for us. And then Lori ended up going through 24 hours of hard labor. And um, just the decision was made that we had to go with an emergency C-section. So here is a really tired mom going in for an emergency C-section. And they were doing that because uh, your vitals were not doing well. You were, you were starting to struggle. I remember them taking the baby from me. And I remember saying, the baby isn't crying. The baby isn't crying. Because that's, you know, babies are supposed to cry when they come out. So, And I just remember having my head turned to where they were working on Matt. And I remember, to them giving me some drugs because I quite sure I was getting a little uh, agitated. And um, after they pulled you out in the C-section, you came out with an APGAR score of one, which is the lowest score you can have. You were pretty gray, pretty pretty mottled. You were, you were not a healthy kid and you weren't breathing for close to a minute, minute and a half. And uh, I just remember mom being on the table and they had her kind of tied in this Jesus Christ position, they have, you know, they have her arms in like this T position and she's squeezing my hand going, how's the baby, how's the baby? And I'm, you know, looking over at the table and watching these three nurses frantically work on you. And basically I remember them kind of knocking me out and then I woke up in recovery and I was so cold. And then I realized what had happened and I didn't know I didn't know if my baby was with us or not, but he was, and he made it. He was 9-3 when he was born, and he grew and grew and grew, and pretty much healthy as a horse ever since.
Tuesday, May 15th, co-founder yeah. of Doomtree, Minneapolis rapper P.O.S. is coming to the High Noon Saloon. For your chance to win tickets, follow us on Instagram at WSUM91.7 and comment on the giveaway post. Or tune in to Rattlesnake Shake with DJ L Serpentine on Saturdays at 2 p.m. For chances to win tickets to more shows, stay tuned to WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. I got bridges, I got matches, but I got limits. You'll never see them. I'll cut and run before you get near them. Welcome back to Hypernormal. Uh, just a quick warning. The following story discusses themes of sexual violence. I think that I felt like for the first like three months after it happened, I didn't realize what happened. I like felt like it was the typical like I made a mistake. And so it was that realization like three months later that like this was something that was done to me, not something that I did. What made you like realize that? I think I think I was retelling this story to someone and I finally was like I this person made sure to be at the same bar that I was at because they asked me where I was going to be. They invited me back to a party and made me feel like it was my fault. And I think that's kind of when I realized that, that if anyone else had told me that story I would have said it's not you, it was them. So can you tell me the whole story? The whole story, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, I had posted on Snapchat that I was going out with one of my friends and this person who I work with, so we're friends on Snapchat, sends me a message and says, where are you going? And I told him what bar we were gonna be at and he says, that's where we're ending the night, perfect. And I didn't really think anything of it and so I'm out with my friends, I'm having a good time, I'm drinking, and this person shows up and like comes over and gives me a hug and we're talking, um, and then we go to kind of our respective groups, and then near the end of the night, um, he comes over and says that he and his friends are having like a party after, and that me and my friends should come, and all of my friends are like, yes, let's go. And so we go to this party, and at this point I was very drunk like because all of a sudden all I remember was like it seemed like everybody just left like all of a sudden it was just me and this other person and I remember we like started making out and that was fine because I didn't really care and then his roommate kept like poking his head into the hallway and like watching us so I remember I had asked which this was I think what made me feel like it was my fault is I had asked, like, can we leave? And he was like, sure, yeah. Lived in the same building, so we went back to his apartment, and I, again, I was very drunk, and I literally, I just remember, like, him taking my clothes off. And, like, I really had no agency, and in, like, fight, flight, or freeze, like, I just froze. Do you think he realized what he did? Part of me wants to believe that he didn't. Part of me wants to believe that he is, you know, in the, he's been socialized to think that like, it's not rape unless she says no. But I think the other part of me knows. And like, I guess I don't want to believe that someone is that terrible. Because I don't think it's hard for him to see me. I don't think that's difficult for him at all. And so, like, I just, I wish he knew how 
he made me feel and how he's made me feel in my own body. And so you're like, you've asked to be anonymous. Yeah. Why? Um, I've never told the whole story and I, I don't think people should find out (laughs) this way. And so I also, I've never told the story and that's because I felt like I had too much to lose. Do you think people will hear the story? Are you planning to tell people? I think I will tell the people that matter. I think the people that kind of supported me through it when they only knew half the story, those are the people that deserve the full story when when I think it's okay to tell it. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things about sexual assault that a lot of people, it's hard for them to understand. Um, like, it's not easy for you to just come out and say what happened. And... You said the people who deserve to know. I think probably everybody deserves to know that this person did something wrong. Like, he did a bad thing. Why is it so hard to say it, though? One, I think that society tells you that you should be ashamed. Um, Because I looked at it one of two ways. Either I would tell people and they would believe me. And this person would get fired and it would be my fault in a sense, which I know is terrible, but that's how I think how I would feel. And on the other hand, people wouldn't believe me. And then it's kind of like a character assassination on me that like everything I've ever done comes into question. My job comes into question and I feel like either way, it's it's a lose-lose for me. Do you think if people didn't believe you, like how, how do you think you would feel? I think part of the reason that I haven't told is because I think that people, not a lot of people know him, but the people who do know him adore him and think that he is genuinely a really great person. And I thought that he was genuinely a great person. And... I think part of me worries that the people that are close to me might not believe me because they also know him and are close to him. It sucks that I have to question myself. And it sucks that, like... It sucks that I think that I won't be believed, you know? Like, I'm kind of socialized to think that I won't be believed. Do you still question yourself? No. Sort of. (laughs) Is it like, okay, so I feel like you, I mean, obviously you know what happened, but if it went public and if people didn't believe you, do you think that would make you question again? No. No, I, I know what happened and I don't think people questioning me would change that. I just think the people I kept around me would change.
raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, we can all agree on one thing, that the world of politics in the United States will never be the same. But the good thing is that there's a lot to talk about. So listen to Cheap Nihilism, Saturdays from 12 to 1, and we'll tell you why you should care about what's going on in the world at all. Well, she ended up, she got diagnosed with breast cancer in December, and then I did in January. And she's like our school psych, and we actually work really closely together because for students at risk. And um, so, like, when it first, like, happened to her, I, you know, I was listening, like, to her appointments and things. And, and then when I got my diagnosis, like, I didn't tell her right away either because, you know, I, I didn't want, like, my experience, like, to bleed into hers when, um, again, like, you need to be listening to your doctors and you need to think about, like, your life and what's best for you. And the best thing is, like, people that are supporting, like, your decisions. But, you know, for her, what gave her peace of mind is that the doctors at Freighter were, like, world-renowned. And they had seen so many cases that, like, that level of, like, practical application to dealing with this was, like, really critical to her. And for me, I, if I had to have radiation and chemo, like I have small children and I needed to be local because I just didn't think like the convenience of driving up to Milwaukee every single day and back, I felt like that would hinder me more than like, like make it where I would, would take my own health as seriously as I needed to. Um, and so like there was just things that she would mention. So I really wish you were going to freighter and then when I like got my surgery date, mine ended up being before hers, even though she got diagnosed before me. Well, she was like, well, what if the doctors at Aurora don't get it all? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm three days before I'm going into surgery. Like it, that really messes with a person's head. The probably besides my immediate family, the first person that I like reached out to and like asked advice to was Matt Rizzo. Um, Matt Rizzo, he was a coach at Tremper, and we went to high school together, and then he um, became a head coach, head football coach at Bradford, and he had had testicular cancer. And um, when he had had testicular cancer, like, it was at, well, he was a very popular teacher in the building and at school, and the outpour of, like, attention that you get, like, I really wanted some advice on, you know, when I started to tell, like, my coworkers, how, how to respond to like their comments because when you're really extroverted you don't really have like that same um same like ability to just kind of separate yourself from from other people's opinion because they like like you feed off of other people's energy and so that like really 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 impacts you but he's like michelle you write back to every person on your birthday so like you know every single person who writes on your wall on your birthday and you don't just write them back you're like how are you like i love you remember that one time we did this like that was so fun and um and he's like you're there so many people are going to want to know what's going on with you and you're not going to be able to keep up with it all like that's going to be really exhausting when you need to just like conserve your energy for this fight 
and that's okay. Yeah, I think like whenever every time I go on Facebook, I see not every time, but usually you've posted something. So like you're saying, you're you're an out there person, and so when you told me that uh, you know you had had cancer and you really hadn't told a lot of people, I found that really surprising. But definitely, uh, his advice and your decision makes sense for you, and I think that's kind of what you've been saying this whole time. Right, right, and it's you. I mean, I wouldn't ever want like somebody like I wouldn't want them to think like, oh, whatever she did, like that's what they need to do. Um, I guess I just think that, like, a lot of times you hear the word cancer and, like, yes, it, like, everyone has this mental image, like, you jump to a relative or you jump to a commercial or a sad movie that you saw, um, and when really, like, it has so many faces, and, uh, I just, I would hope that, like, more people would be bold to say, like, how, like what transpired for them for the sake of others, uh, rather than just be like, oh, my God like I didn't have it bad enough you know um because like you could really like be very instrumental in somebody doing something really important for themselves We are uh, 40 minutes into the show. That's over halfway to the end. And it makes us really happy to be sharing other people's stories with you because time and time again, they've told us how important it is to them. And to us, uh, Hypernormal itself, in all of the 12 months we've had it, has been our time to share our story. It's something that might otherwise have gone untold. Well, last August, uh, I ended up receiving some uh, information or some some messaging and uh, basically a young lady who said, hi, my name is Jessica Roper and is your name Tim Wolf and were you in Alameda in 1974, 1975 because you may be my dad. And I wrote back to her and I said, well, I was in Alameda during that time frame. Um, tell, me, tell me about what's going on. And she gave me some information back. So I ended up kind of getting a story that was about 50% right and 50% wrong. And so my immediate reaction was, I wrote back and I said, well, I don't think you have the right guy. You have my name spelled wrong. You have 
Uh, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm sorry. I'm probably not the right guy. And uh, so as of back in January, we were all sitting around, and by all I mean Lori and Emily and Matt, and we were sitting around in the house and talking about the situation. And uh, I was basically making the point that I didn't feel like it made sense to take this any further because the information felt a little scammy to me, frankly. And uh, good old Emily came by, <laughs> looked me in the eye and said, you know, Dad, you have to look at this from the other person's perspective. Her perspective is she just wants to know. And wouldn't, if you were in that boat, if you were in those shoes, wouldn't you just want to know? You got messaged and then months passed yep. before this conversation come, came up. And my guess is over those months, you weren't thinking about it very much. Were you? Not too much. What took so long? Like, I mean, was it the defense mechanism where you're just like, no, I don't want this. I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want, what was it? What took so long? Because, I mean, as soon as you told me, I was like, this is weird, but she's totally his kid. Um, what took you so long to realize that? And I guess I don't have a good answer for that. I didn't. I did not feel when it first, when the interaction first went down and the communication first went down, my immediate reaction was, "No, that's not me." And right or wrong, I just I quickly moved. What on do you mean? That. What do you mean that's not me? That I wasn't the father. Why did you think that though? Probably because that's what I wanted to think. I was probably ignoring the ob obvious strength of the information that, you know, that implied that she was my daughter. Uh, we've continued to reach out to Jessica, have had more and more communication. Um, she's got four kids, married to a really nice guy, Andy, and we're actually going to go see them in July and get a chance to meet face to face. What are you expecting out of that meeting? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I think what I'm expecting is um, probably a lot of uh, unsure moments, right? A lot of awkward moments, a lot of people kind of looking at each other, trying to figure each other out. Um, Jessica said a very interesting thing to me during one of our conversations, and, um, and no disrespect to anyone else that would be a part of the same title, but they, they, she said their kids have never really had a grandparent. And, um, and I said, well, what does that mean to you? And she goes, that means that none, no grandparent has ever affirmed how great they really are. And I think, so she's looking for someone to see and affirm and feel good about the work that she's done as a parent. Um, and I, that, so if I can provide even a small amount of affirmation around that, if, you know, and, uh, that would be a positive outcome of this whole meeting. She, you know, clearly she cares about her role as a parent, how does it feel like knowing that you had no clue that she existed until mm. not that long ago? Until a year ago, yeah, less than a year. But how does that feel? Like, I'm sure there's still, like, guilt. <laughs> well, I wasn't aware I was going to... No, it, it is guilt. It's a really weird feeling. Um, the... Um, I don't know how to say this. I know in my heart that if I would have known... Uh, that I had fathered a child, I would have done the right thing. And I only say that because I had a situation where I had a similar role, and uh, a young lady got pregnant, and I, I and 
I took a walk to decide if I wanted to marry that person, and I laughed because within 100 yards, I knew I wanted to be dad. I knew I wanted to be a dad, and I was more than willing to take a risk to um, make a commitment and marry someone that I kind of knew in my heart wasn't exactly the perfect partner for me. Um, but I wanted to be dad. So that, that was my pang. That was a, I grew up in a big family. That's what I wanted. I love the concept of being a parent and helping kids grow and do all that stuff that you do with kids. Trying to, do you have anything you like that I haven't asked you yet that you wanted to say? How do you feel about it? How do you feel about having another sister? I'm sad I don't get to meet her when you guys go to see her. Um, I feel like I shouldn't reach out to her until after you've met because I think she wants to meet you more than anybody else. Uh, so I'm going to like, I think I should wait. I think I should give her that space. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk to her and meet her. I think it's, I don't know, my relationship with Bree and Eric is definitely different from me and Emily. Like very different never lived with them certainly not not nearly as close with them just not and uh also not the experiences right you just don't have as many well yeah and also just way less in common there's a huge age gap where we like we're like just starting to see ourselves as peers and still there's like those tensions of like i mean they have families and like big responsibilities i don't i'm you know i'm just a kid still basically so I think we're, yeah, we're starting to see each other as peers, which is nice. Um, but I, I know, like, with Jessica, I'll never be super close. Mm-hmm. Just won't never happen, if I had to guess. Um, which is weird, just because she's one of the most closely related people to me in the world. And I will probably never know her very well. Which isn't saying much because with your, I don't know, I, I had this conversation with Uncle Mike yesterday. I really don't know anybody in our family, like really. Matt and Nancy are the only ones I feel like I know better and it's because I had the chance to live with them for a little bit and it was invaluable. And that's why I told Uncle Mike, I said, I'm really excited for the fishing trip because I'll have a week to just sit and talk one-on-one with people. Right. And uh, I don't know, that's the funny thing is probably if I meet her, when I meet her, uh, it won't take long to at least get her to that level of just like, yeah, you're my family. First, just tell me your name. So, my name is Rishabh Kishore. But. But. Everybody calls you RK. Yeah. And what's that like? It has become a big deal for me only in the past year or so. Because I don't mind the nickname RK. I mean, if you ask my childhood friends, they'll say I'm 
downright try to push for it. <laughs> they would say they they would they would probably curse at me and be like, "Dude, you tried too hard to get that out there." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's always I I I I love it. I love the nickname, but so in 2015 I went to a little two and a half week engineering summer camp and they they saw, I guess on the application they just asked what's your nickname and I, I put that down I put down RK and um, no one called me that but that's a different matter and on my tag it said so it said RK Kishore and a lot of people thought some people started calling me RK and a lot of people thought that was just my name those two letters and then I'd explain that to them so they'd be like why is your name tag Rishabh Kishore Kishore and I'm like wish i knew but um <laughs> and i thought that i thought so then when that happened and then the next year i went to i came to college i came to madison i thought you know what rk is something that people kind of kind of understand to kind of get it uh so that's what i'll go with and i think i always preface it with uh preface it with my name's rishab but you can call me rk But I think eventually that kind of dropped. But yeah, I I don't like it as much anymore. I don't think I like it when um, my friends inadvertently call me that, which is what happened. So what I'll tell you this: what happened last semester was everyone understood my first name, and the funny thing is, once two or three like Americans, and I'm only saying I'm not saying that as a negative thing again. I'm just saying that because all my friends are pretty much American. Once one or two Americans got their name, got my name down like Rishab, everyone else in that program did. All my friends in my study abroad program knew my first name, because once someone else said it with a similar action, they got it immediately. And that's when RK came off more as a nickname, like my buddy just used to. A couple of my buddies just called me that. So I thought that was like organic. That's how it kind of works, and I liked it. Um, but. and then i came back here and i realized that it's kind of like my identity here in madison that's how people know me and it's also i also realized that it's one of those silly things you know it's like dude it's your name it doesn't matter i know it just kind of bothers me lately at least it's been it not not to the degree that it has been with like oh man wait a minute i don't want to do school anymore school as much anymore um but like i do math tutorial or whatever for for calc 2 and like i'll be like oh doing the problems at home like everything's great and this is like i know this like this is easy and i'll go in and my you know facilitator dude he's i really like him and i get along with him really well but he just shows me no you don't know this as well as you thought you did um and he kind of just he breaks the the logic i had going and it's not that that's immediately like oh man i'm really sad about that but it's like wait a minute like i need to i need to like reconsider how do i shift my perspective in that way how do i think outside the box if i've never seen something else that could be in that way um but math has been really helpful with that because like there's a bunch of ways to do like one particular thing We're doing like vectors or whatever right now, and there's a lot of this kind of like, oh wait, didn't think the Pythagorean theorem 
applied to this it actually does and it totally <laughs> has and always will and it's just this like thing that permeates throughout mathematics you just see the patterns and like the structure that is underneath everything and suddenly things that seem like super challenging you still get to have this optimism about them because you're like well if somebody figured out a like tricky clever like cool way to do it what what can't we know you know like what what can't I know for like my own personal, I'm feeling lost one day. Like why, why should I be sitting there with the mentality of, I will never figure this out. You know, why should that be in my mind as opposed to wait a minute, there might be some way for me to figure out what to do next. There might be some kind of plan if, if I'm optimistic about it to, to have, to have figured out that like, maybe this might be important to, to do this um, for, for, the sake of our own survival, but for the sake of our own sparing our own minds for the, for the, for the optimism, for the, like the hope instead of the, like, well, this is just the way it is. Like, cause you, you could certainly see it in that, in that respect is like, wait, there are rules. That means that like everything's just how it is because there's some rule that defines it and not, I can't do anything to change it. But it's like, no, actually that's something we've, this whole framework is something that we've developed as agents, like as, confused uncertain collections of atoms like rambling around it's just it's inspiring um but it's like humility to it too you know like there's you realize there's a lot you don't know but you realize that like not knowing something is the first step to actually figuring it out You know, Bennett, Hypernormal has made me a lot more reflective, I feel like, and it's made me think a lot about problems, problems in the world, problems in my life, but even if I come to a conclusion, the part I struggle with still is having the courage to actually do something about it. Interested in news and current events? Tune in to On Wisconsin, WSUM's flagship news and public affairs show. We talk about all the current events of the university, Wisconsin, and the nation. Join us live every Monday night at 7 p.m. right here on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. Welcome back to Hypernormal. Um, it looks like we are 58 minutes, nearly one hour, into the final episode of Hypernormal. 
Um, with each passing second, we draw more near to the night. You know what, Matt? There's one thing I don't like about Hypernormal. What's that, Bennett? You and I get all the credit. There are so, so many people who make this show what it is. And because this is the last episode, it's time these people get their credit. I'm going to walk around the station and say hi to all the people who make it possible. Matt, can you hold down the studio? Yeah, yeah, I can do that, Bennett. All right, let's go on a behind-the-scenes tour of our radio show. Follow me. So right now I'm walking down the hallway. We're going to say hi to all the hypernormal people. We've got all kinds of people on the hypernormal staff. Our music expert, Ali. Movie buff, Laura. Seen any good ones lately? The Halle Berry movie where her son gets kidnapped. Angela, what have you got for us today? Do you know Monarch's Bite? I did not. Every time I walk through here, I learn something new. Eric, how are you today? Uh, I am very average. Good to hear. Kid Rock, you are looking better by the day, my friend. What is your secret? Uh, I stop putting bad stuff in my body. Outside of a little whiskey now and then. I like to drink a lot of beer. Ah, you devil. Okay, who's next? People call me song. Like sing, sang, song. Couldn't have said it better myself. Here's Jenna holding a fish for some reason. It's slippery in my hands. When I try and squeeze it, it'll jump out, and then I have to catch it again. Robert, shh, shh, shh. Do you hear that noise? Something evil has happened. It's always evil this, evil that with you. See, it's just Emily. Emily, can you turn down that music? We're trying to do a thing. I'm in the studio, studio. <laughs> in my car currently, I carry two guns, a plastic uh, protective um, backpack, uh, three types of uh, tracking. So, uh, I, I actually have this really cool GPS. It's my new GPS thing. So if the whole grid goes out... Good God, Anthony. Okay, moving on, moving on. Bucky Badger, what what do you do here? I'm, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to, you know, spread the love, be a little stupid, be a little funny, a little flirtatious. Talia, what did you end up doing this weekend we for your birthday? decided to go to the beach. Caesar, don't tell the others, but you are my favorite one. Oh my word. Emily. Oh, we gotta be quiet. We gotta be really quiet. Oh, and JD, her partner in crime. Mara, what are you looking to get out of this job? Um, think of like a walk-in closet, but like expand it a little. Like think of like a generously sized walk-in closet. Audrey, are you ready for the audition? You taught me how to love. I'd say you are. I've got Tim on the line. He travels a lot. Did I hear something about you sending in some of your son's cookies today? Hopefully you've gotten some of that from me that I got from him. I haven't gotten any yet, but hopefully there are some left. We appreciate having you on the hypernormal staff, Yogev. Kind of makes me feel good. Oh, is this picture of you, Amy? I was not a cute little kid. Hey, Ra. How's your day going so far? I met, like, this lady boy. Like, we didn't have sex, but I smoked meth with her. And, and then, you know, I was on the scooter. And then You lead a much more interesting life than I do. And I'm okay with that. What have you learned from this show? Humans tend to be selfish people. Alex is our local pessimist, if you didn't gather that already. Hey, Nick. You should share some of those cookies. 
I mean, obviously, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not going to be an idiot about it. Tom, why are you wet all the time? We weren't getting hot water. I was showering at the gym. How's the family, Whitney? My daughter turns three next week. Such a precious age. And who is this? Hi, I'm Sage. Too cool for school, this one. We've got Rob from out of town. He didn't want to be a part of this piece, but we made him. We cannot be inconvenienced. Our intern, Audrey. But she's been trying to get a better internship for years. I really have a chance this year. Okay. Jenny, I saw that you didn't write a message on Talia's birthday card. I don't want to say anything politically incorrect. Better safe than sorry. Smart. Lori from our other office. Do you remember if Matt wears a medium or a large? I was trying to buy him something nice. No, I don't remember one way or the other. Grace, this is almost over. You can go back to your phone in just a second. Thank God. And last but not least, Will. Will? Will? Where are you, Will? Will? There's a couple people who couldn't make it into the office today um, that we still want to recognize. Leo, Nolan, Alyssa, Kate, Iman, and Walter. Thank you as well. I think it's time to head back to the studio. God, Matt, it's been so long. Oh, one second, though. Let's put that over there, and uh, that would look nice there. No, there. A little bit left, 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 left. Yeah, yeah, there. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, Bennett, uh, I'm doing great. Everything looks awesome, man. Thanks, I really like the centerpieces. We had a local artist design them. That's actually really cool, man. Uh who would have thought the reunion would look this great? <coughs> How have you been, man? Uh, I hear you moved to Arizona. How's that? Hot. It's been great. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it's got to be a long trip to get back to Kenosha. Yeah, it was. Uh, how long's that flight? Four hours? Yeah, four hours. I can do a two hour... I can do a two-hour flight, no problem. Uh, I do that a lot when I fly to Philly, but four hours, that's no joke. It's not too bad. I bet you don't miss all the snow down in Arizona. Not at all. Have you talked to anybody lately? Yeah, I was out with my parents the other day, and I bumped into Chad. But other than that, I haven't seen anyone since Alex and Riley's wedding. Wow, how long ago was that? Three years now? Yeah, it went by so fast. Man, I'm still pissed I couldn't make it to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen, it was great to see you, Bennett. Yeah, I should get back to setting up. Uh, C can I help with anything? No, I, th I think we've got it covered. All right. Um, yeah, I I'm sure we'll catch up later, right? Yeah, I'm sure.
Well, Bennett, uh, Hypernormal's time seems to be running ever more thin. The painted sky has now officially given way to the night. Uh, so now we're going to take some time to say our final goodbye to Hypernormal. But before we do so, we'd like to fulfill a dream that we've had now for 12 long months. We've spent how many weeks? 25 weeks. 25 weeks producing high-quality, thought-provoking content. But now... We want to take a moment to produce something with absolutely no literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. 
That's right. We're going to be obscene on the radio. I cannot wait for the spin. I've been waiting so long. Shall we? We shall. Oh my god! FCC, open up! What? You are under arrest for producing garbage content. No, I. Your show, when taken as a whole, lacks serious literary, artistic, political, and scientific values. What? N- N- Shia! Shia, not you! It appeals to the average person's prurient interest. You're going downtown, gentlemen. I can't go to jail. 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 I can't Hi, go to jail. We, we, didn't, we didn't do anything, I swear. Save it for the judge. Officer, at least turn on the autoplay.